Pittsburgh Steelers fans, it is time once again for another edition of Know Your Enemy. Uh, it's week 11. The Pittsburgh Steelers are heading down to take on the Jacksonville Jaguars. So my name is Michael Beck, deputy editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Joined as always with our film study extraordinaire, Jeffrey Benedict. How are you doing tonight, Jeff? Doing really good. Awesome, awesome. And our special guest from Big Cat Country, Demetrius Harvey. Demetrius, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing all right. You know, it's been a busy day, but, you know, I'm here. I'm here to break down the game. Oh, yeah. I think we're very excited to break down this game. I'm hoping your side is as well, not to throw any salt in the wound right now, but what's the overall vibe in Jacksonville with a 1-8 and team? Yeah, I mean, it's a 1-8 and team. There's really not much of a vibe per se. It's just impending doom it, it appears that you know most of the fan base clearly they just want to tank they want to get the highest draft pick as possible so that they can pick a quarterback which is understandable considering how Gardner Minshew has played but pretty much the entire fan base is is ready for the season to be over I'm ready for the season to be over personally just you know in covering the team it's just it's been a long growing season obviously with the COVID issues with coronavirus with all of that and then the fact that they're losing so much, it's just hard to say the same thing over and over again. So basically, it's just impending doom and, and ready for it to all be done with. That th- That's pretty tough. I, like In a lot of those senses, I, I think we for sure feel the same way. Uh, I think the only difference is the Steelers continue to win, which uh, I think has been a pleasant surprise on uh, on our, our behalf. But uh, Jeffrey, I, I, see, I see you laughing there. This game, though, the Steelers have struggled with the Jaguars recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I, I'm curious your thoughts, Jeffrey, whether or not you think uh, whether or not you think this is going to be one of those games where they just have the, the Steelers number again, or if uh, if the tide finally turned in 2018 with Ben Roethlisberger barely crossing the goal line. Uh, it's going to be competitive, more competitive, I think, than Steeler fans are going to be okay with. Uh Jacksonville's been competing. They they are they are a competitive team. They're just not a team that has managed to get the score on the right side of the scoreboard. So it's gonna be it's gonna be more competitive than people like. But I think the Steelers are still gonna win this. Yeah, no, it, it'll be interesting to see how the game plays out because of what you said. And Demetrius, the the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars really pushed Aaron Rodgers and uh, those Green Bay Packers to the limits last week. Was that something that you kind of expected out of this team and just a scrappy bunch, or was that something that kind of caught you off guard? Well, I mean, over the past few weeks, they've been playing hard. I mean, basically the entire season, they've been a, a hard fighting team. It's not as if they've all rolling over and, and died. You know, the the the, the tanking and, and all of that stuff comes from the outside going in, not from the inside going out. The Jaguars themselves aren't tanking. Their players are playing as hard as they can. The coaches are coaching as hard as they can. They just can't seem to win. You know, they they, they brought Aaron Rodgers within maybe a few minutes of lose of him losing that game in terms of the Packers losing. It was twenty to seventeen at one point. The Jaguars were winning. The the Jaguars forced them to go three and out a few drives in a row to start the game. It, it was a competitive matchup and probably one of the most competitive games of the week last week. So it's not as if the Jaguars are simply dead in the water and they're not going to be able to even muster up a drive against a team. It's just that they just haven't been able to win. And that's kind of what you would expect with a young team, a team without its starting quarterback right now, Gardner Minshew. If if anything, you can expect this game, in my opinion, against the Steelers. Obviously they always play the Steelers very well. 
it, it, it could just be a very competitive matchup that just doesn't go the Jaguars' way yet again, or you know, you, you never know, I guess, in this season. Yeah, no, it, it's one of the things about the NFL. And Jeffrey, Coach Tomlin earlier today was kind of uh, asked about um, trap games, and he, he of course, his, his classic comment kind of brushing it off, saying it's not the Big Ten versus the Mac. I'm curious your thoughts on on that kind of comment that uh, Mike Tomlin uh, said earlier today and uh, whether or not you agree with him. I, I definitely agree with him. There's professionals on every side. Uh, you can you can look at the players on Jacksonville and be like, who's that guy? You know, Jake Luton threw for a ton of touchdowns and like three interceptions his senior year in college. They're guys who play football. They're professionals. Um, I loved, I loved, as for the exact comment, I loved Mike Tomlin uh, comparing the Big Ten and the Mac uh, purely because of the number of Big Ten and Mac players this team has. We've got like 13 players from the Big Ten, and we have, I think, one of the top three uh, most Mac players in any NFL team. Uh, and my, my favorite one is just the uh, defensive captain, Cam Hayward, from Ohio State, and the offensive captain, Ben Roethlisberger, is from Miami of Ohio. So, you know, he's just stirring up trouble. He's stirring up a little, you know, feistiness amongst the group, seeing if he can if he can get people going a bit before this game. Because if you walk in unprepared, you'll lose. It's the NFL. You can't, you can't walk into a game not ready to play or, or taking it lightly. You will lose a game. So I, I loved the comment. Um, and he's right. It's, it's not. It's not that it's not that level of disparity between talent. Uh, it's, it's more how well a team plays together and how many, how many true stars you have is, is the big difference between teams in the NFL. Right now, Demetrius, uh, Jeffrey brought up Jake Luton and I'm just curious your thoughts and your confidence level of him as a quarterback in the NFL. Yeah. So his first week was actually incredible against a division rival in the Houston Texans. He went, I believe it was 26 completions, over 300 yards, a touchdown. He did throw an interception. So I think that that gave the fan base sort of hope, maybe the coaching staff a little bit of hope too because they've seen this guy. I remember going to training camp before the season, and, and they they had Josh Dobbs and they had Mike Glennon, but Jake Luton was the guy who I thought was the clear backup to Gardner Minshew. Gardner was clearly – far and ahead better than all three of them. But I th- I perceive Jake Luton as a guy who can come in and make maybe some spot starts as a backup if he needed to. And he kind of showed that against Houston. But against Green Bay, and I understand that the weather was terrible in terms of the wind. There was a lot of mitigating uh, conditions that sort of hindered his play a bit. And that's when you saw the errant passes. You saw people slipping and sliding when they could have converted a key third down, especially near the end of the game with Chris Conley, a uh, tight end, and Tyler Eifert. There was just a couple of miscues that went that were involved in that, and he just wasn't as effective, only completing 51% of his passes. So really, right now, it's just you don't really know exactly what you completely have in Jake Luton, but you do kind of figure – Against this Pittsburgh Steelers defense this week, it, it's going to be tough, especially against that front seven, which is probably the best front seven in all football right now. So it, it's just going to be a tough outing for him. But, you know, there's not too much negativity surrounding him just because he is a rookie. There's only so much you can expect from a rookie quarterback, even though Gardner was able to come in there and actually do well last season. But pretty much everybody expects him to play like a rookie not necessarily make too many mistakes to where you're just dead out of water and you might as well run the run the wildcat or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, no, and it, it is funny because uh, 
the Steelers are typically are successful against rookie quarterbacks who have a won a Heisman or B were the first overall pick. And uh, Jake Luton doesn't have either of those things, <laughs> which is very strange when it comes to the NFL. Because how could a team struggle against that? So Jeffrey, what I pose to you is, uh, how do the Steelers take advantage of an inexperienced quarterback? How you do that is you just gotta you've gotta bombard him with stuff that he is not ready for, uh, and that's. That's that's how you that's how you really get to a rookie. Um, Keith Butler's going to do that with his pass rush. He's he's our pass rush is incredible, and uh, it's not just based on you know the talent. It's they scheme it up. Our, the, the, our pass rush attack is is great, so I, they're going to blitz him. You, you almost have to just blitz the heck out of the kid, and then you know get Minka into the right spots, take away spots in the middle, and just make plays on the ball, and. Make his make his day rough. Make it a nightmare day. You know, like we saw Joe Burrows, they were giving him only throws outside, outside deep throws. So he's making those long passes, and Joe Hayden was jumping them, knocking them down early. Didn't let him get in a rhythm. The pass rush was was disrupting his timing, and he just he never really got comfortable in the game. And that's that's what you got to do to a rookie. You have to do it. Yeah, it's funny the Steelers are able to do that against Joe Burrow. But then uh, they're so passive against Gary Gilbert uh, that they just kind of get ripped up by whatever whatever he is. Um, yeah. Now, Demetrius, moving back uh, behind the quarterback at running back, James Robinson has been an outstanding uh, undrafted rookie who's already burst on the scene, which is really rare in year one. What does he mean to this offense and this team as a whole? He's really everything for this offense. He he is the offense right now, especially without Gardner Minshew. You, you you have to run through the rookie running back, which is interesting to see because, you know, prior to the season, Leonard Fournette was in he was the starting running back. He was the starting running back throughout training camp. He was getting the first team reps. It wasn't James Robinson. If anybody was getting the second team reps, it was Divine Azigbo. Yeah, James Robinson was out there and he was showing people what he could do, but no one really expected this kid to come in and do what he's done thus far this season. I believe he's fifth in the NFL in rushing yards with 689 yards. It, it, it's an interesting dynamic because, you know, they could run their offense completely through James Robinson if they wanted to run the football, grind the clock out, but because they've been getting down so much and so quickly in these games, they haven't necessarily been able to run the football as much as they've wanted to. So, it, 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 it's been an it's been awesome for Jaguars fans for everybody to who covers the Jaguars to see this kid explode and have somebody to talk about that's actually a feel good story for this team this year and going one and eight. Uh, he really is pretty much everything you would want in a running back and kind of you know gives another you know point to that narrative of you can find a running back anywhere undrafted guy out of some school in Illinois and you don't really know much about him and he's coming in didn't really do much at the combine but he can come in into the NFL and actually have a great season so that's pretty much what the Jaguars are hoping to get out of him throughout the rest of the games this season just to continue his development continue to run their offense through him as much as possible and just get out of there with at least have some diamond that they found now, Jeffrey, before we move on, we did have a super chat question here for Demetrius. Uh, Just Me puts $5 in the tip jar and asks, who's your best running back and can we stop him? Uh, Demetrius, if you want to take that one. Yeah, I mean, James Robinson, if, if, if anybody can stop them, if anybody can stop him, it probably is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, thus far this season, it seems like no one's been able to completely contain him. He's not had 
a game where I've looked back and thought, oh, that was a horrible game for James. He just hasn't had the time to be able to get those carries, the volume carries that you would normally want to give a bell cow back. I understand that the NFL is kind of moving away from that, but in the past, the Jaguars have obviously grinded the clock out. We've seen this in Steelers and Jaguars matchups before with Leonard Fournette, even 2017, going back to 2018. There was a couple of them where it was a shootout, but also running the football a lot. So it's going to be interesting to see uh, if any team or any defense is going to make it so that James Robinson is completely ineffective. I really do think it's this Pittsburgh Steelers defense. If I can jump in here. um, for for our Steeler fans in the in the chat here and listening to this, um, can you describe what kind of runner he is? Like, is he is he just a power back? Is he fast? Like, what 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 kind of a runner are we going to be seeing? He's kind of a blend. He's not he's not a guy who has a lot of long speed, so you're not going to see him take off or an 80 yard touchdown right off the bat. But he's going to be a guy who he's going to make your 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 players miss in the backfield. He'll make a guy miss very quickly. He has great lateral agility. He's got great burst through the hole. So he's going to be a back that is going to get those six yard gains quickly, those 10 yard gains quickly. He, he can catch out of the backfield. So he'll get the 15 yard gains eventually too. It, it, but the, the only difference is the only thing that I haven't seen where i kind of want to see more of is the long speed. And I don't know if he necessarily has that, but he's got everything else. He has all the tools in the shed. So we'll see what he's going to be able to do against the Steelers. This would be an incredible matchup and really get to see what the Jaguars have in that running back. Now, Jeffrey, speaking of that running back, the Steelers have sold out a few games in the past this year, trying whatever it took to uh, negate Saquon Barkley to less than 10 rushing yards. They, they really focused uh, keyed in on stopping Derrick Henry. Uh, is this the kind of game where the Steelers defense need to uh, focus most of their assets on stopping the run and kind of putting those corners and uh, safeties in tougher matchups again? Absolutely. That is exactly what I expect. I, uh, Tyson Alualu's back. They he, they kind of kept him on a snap count last week, Going, went with a lot of nickel and dime. I, I think that was more about, you know, stopping the Cincinnati offense. I expect to see a lot more Tyson Alualu. Uh, Mike Hilton is supposed to be back. That's a huge upgrade over Cam Sutton in the nickel for run defense. And I, I expect that. I expect to see a lot of run blitzes. I expect to see a lot of just the Steelers saying we're going to take away James Robinson and make Jake Luton beat us. You know, Demetrius, outside of James Robinson, where, where's this offense coming from for the Jaguars? Which guys are should we be uh, keeping an eye out for? Well, the Jaguars have a couple guys, especially – at the receiver position. I mean, everybody knows who DJ Chark Jr. is. He's an incredible talent. Now, what's been holding them him back and what's been holding the passing offense back has obviously been the play of the quarterback. I mean, Gardner Minshew, the past few games when he was actually active and in there before he injured his right thumb, he wasn't playing his best football. And maybe that was due to the injury, but the, the Jaguars weren't able to have much production on offense. And that's why you see a guy like DJ Chark not able to really give that spark to the team now a couple weeks ago he did have the big 140 yard game with a touchdown and that's pretty much what you would expect to see out of dj chark not not necessarily that every single week but you would expect to see something similar to that where he can take over a game keelan cole has been a guy who was an undrafted free agent out of kentucky westland in 2017 and he's been a guy that this year has really stepped up his game he's actually been on the field a lot more than he was last season. He's been able to be productive. He's he's caught touchdowns. He returned a touch uh, a punt for a touchdown last week against the Packers, a 90-yard touchdown. Uh, he's been a spark for them too. And 
this week I'm not sure if they're going to get him back, but rookie LaVisca Chanel, I know you guys have your own rookie in, in Claypool, but Chanel is a similar in terms of the, the physicality and, and the build that you would want to see out of a true wide receiver in the NFL. And he's able to get into the middle of the field and break tackles. I think at one point during the season, he had some of the most broken tackles for a wide receiver in the NFL. Um, if they can get him back with that hamstring, you know, he's a huge part of their offense. They'll play him in the wildcat. They'll give him handoffs as a running back. You know, him at Colorado, that's pretty much what he did, and that's exactly what the Jaguars are doing this year with him. Uh, but pretty much the offense runs through those those three guys at wide receiver, James Robinson, the quarterback, and uh, that's pretty much it for the Jags offense this year. Now, Jeffrey, how, how is the Steelers' defense as a whole? What do they have to do to have another successful day like the one they had against the Bengals? They're gonna have to. They're gonna have to number one take away the run. You gotta. Well, I mean, even if you don't take it away, you gotta slow him down. You gotta make that he's not. They're not gonna be able to sit there and take two downs and pick up a first down, just running the ball on you and extending drives, and then you know get the get the young guy to make mistakes. Uh, he does. If I'm right, if I'm right from what I've seen, he looks like he has a strong arm. Jake Luton looks like a guy with a pretty strong arm, uh, and DJ Shark is a is a great deep threat. Like he he can do it long. Uh, so you got to. They're going to be pushing, you know, the safeties back. They're going to be. They're going to be causing us trouble there. For me, you just got to. You just got to make the rookie keep making the tough throws. You know, put pressure in his face, get guys in his face, and stop the run game. That's that's the only way you're gonna you're gonna have success here. And if they can get any of that going, if they can get a few deep passes going, if they can get the run going, then you're in for a long day. And that's. That's how they're being able to do it with teams is, is they're being able to make these a very long day for every team they face because they've got a running game and they've got wide receivers with talent and they got a quarterback with an arm. It's just, it's, it's, even if it's not having great success, it's an offense that's hard. It's not easy to defend. Now, Demetrius, we haven't really talked much about the Jaguars offensive line yet. Is this a group that you think can uh, keep a pass rush of TJ Watt, Cam Hayward and Bud Dupree and Stephon to it in check? I don't necessarily think that any offensive line in the NFL is able to actually keep them in check. Now, can they mitigate their talent maybe in the interior perhaps because the Jaguars interior offensive line has played phenomenally this year and that's anchored by center Brandon Linder who's going to be returning this week from a back injury. If there's any way that the Jaguars are going to be successful against this team, they're going to have to play their protections very smart against a Steelers front seven that's incredible. I think D Doug Marone actually said today earlier that this might be the best front seven that he's ever faced. Now, perhaps it's just coach speak and he's talking them up because they're about to play this year. But, you know, Doug hasn't necessarily been a guy to just give out coach speak every single week. He's kind of just tells it like it is and what he actually thinks. And I kind of agree with them. I mean, Bud Dupree, TJ Watt, those guys are just insane athletes, insane pass rushers. And you're talking about guys like Cam Robinson, who's playing a lot better than he played last year, but he still has some struggles, you know, and he, and he still has a little bit of an, an injury this week coming into the game. He, he didn't miss a game last week or didn't miss a game all season, but, you know, he's still struggling a little bit in that area. I mean, the other side, Jawan Taylor, he's been struggling mightily this season. He's been one of the uh, quote-unquote worst 
offensive tackles in the game this season, according to some websites, if if you go on PFF or any of those kind of websites. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's going to be a struggle. And I think that, that if that's an area that the Steelers are going to probably take advantage of, they're going to be rushing the passer from different areas. They're going to be using speed, using power, trying to get around Jawan Taylor to get to Jake Luton. And if they can do that, then that's going to be the death of the Jaguars offense. Yeah, I think Steelers fans stopped going to PFF the second they uh, they said Ben Roethlisberger is holding this team back. But before we move on to the next question, Demetrius, um, I- I'm curious to know more your thoughts on the offense line and where you would rank them in the echelon of uh, the rest of the NFL. Yeah, I would say they're about average. I mean, from what I've seen this year, they never, at least in the beginning of the season or the earlier first half of the season, they weren't giving up too much pressure. Gardner Minshew was able to sit back there and have some time to throw. It wasn't as if they were just, you know, leaking every single play and you knew that they were going to get to the passer right away. It, it's been more so the the past few weeks and then a couple couple games here and there where you see a lot of leaky play, especially against the Packers at the very end of the game. I think it was three downs in a row where Jake Luton either got sacked or hurried extremely fast, and they were just weren't able to do anything to to finish out that game and to score a touchdown to potentially go ahead and win. But uh, I don't necessarily think that they're a terrible offensive line. I, I actually really like how the interior three are playing. Andrew Norwell has probably been playing the best since he signed that mega contract in 2018. Brandon Linder's always been a great player. AJ Cann has been playing well. And then, like I said, Cam Robinson has been playing much better than he was last year, which, you know, he was recovering from that ACL. So I don't necessarily think that they're a terrible offensive line at all. I just think that they're maybe a little bit middle of the pack. They're not an upper echelon offensive line. They're not an offensive line that you just know that TJ Watt and Bud Dupree are for sure going to struggle against. Now, Jeffrey, Demetrius does bring up TJ Watt's name, and he, currently he is a half sack behind Miles Garrett for the league lead. I'm I'm curious whether or not you think he might uh, actually surpass Miles Garrett and potentially be the sack leader this year if he's uh, where he is in the running for a defensive player of the year type award. I actually I'm I think he's not going to catch Miles Garrett. I don't I don't think he is. Miles Garrett is I, I don't I don't know what he's doing but he is he is having a phenomenal season. He's having like a career Hall of Fame, you know, he's having an absolute monster year and he's doing it mostly himself. Uh I love TJ but on this on this defense, sacks are going to be spread around a bit. Mike Hilton's back. You know, he's going to take a few. Uh, Vince is going to take some. And Cam and Tua, they're getting going. He It's it's not going to be all TJ. It's, it's just not. Uh, his numbers really took off last season when Stephon Tuitt went down. Uh, as long as Tuitt's in there, Tuitt, Tuitt gets after the quarterback himself, and he's going to take some of those away from TJ just because they're on the same side. So I, I don't think TJ is going to have great numbers himself. I do expect him to have a really good game, uh, simply because Jags like to run up the middle, and he is one of those best. He is one of the best at backside produce suit in the league. So I expect him to be a factor in the run game and and good in pressures. I just don't think I, I'm not going to to go and say he's going to put up good sack numbers because on this defense, you never know who it's going to be. Right now. Demetrius, uh, when you look at the Steelers' defense, uh, where would you, if you're game planning this game, where are you attacking? Uh, where do you want that offense to go with the ball? It's really difficult to say where exactly because they have such good players on the back end. They have such good players in the front seven. But perhaps uh, on the boundary, like you guys are talking about, those deep passes, I understand that 
you know, it, it, it it's going to be difficult for them to achieve what they want to because of Mika Fitzpatrick back there too, and just a, a bunch of other players who are just such good ball hawks. But it, at the end of the day, I think that passing the football against this front seven is probably where you would have to win. Uh, it's it's difficult to say regardless because of the pass rush, because of how well they should be against the run. But if that that's an area that I think that they should attack early, they should just test it out and see where what Jake Luton and DJ Chart can do, try to catch the Steelers maybe sleeping. I think that that's something that they tried to do against the Packers where the Packers came into the game and the Jaguars looked like the actual team that wanted to play. And the Packers looked like they thought, oh, this is just the Jaguars, so whatever we, we have to do, we're going to do it. They ended up winning, but at the end of the day, they didn't seem like they were playing as hard. So they're going to try to do the same thing against the Steelers. I think they're going to try to come out fast. Jay Gruden has always wanted to come out of games very fast, try to get the touchdowns early. But I guess we're going to have to find out. It's going to be a difficult day if the Steelers come to play. Now, Jeffrey, when you look at that Jaguars defense and you just look right across it and how they kind of uh, play the game, is there something that scares you from that team that you're like, all right, if they if they're successful at blank, they they can win this game. Uh not not really. <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's rough. This it's a rough it's a rough defense. Um, there's a few there's a few points where you say they could get stuff going. Uh, I mean, they 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 brought in Joe Schobert to kind of to give them you know some balance on the on the from their linebackers. He has always had good games against Pittsburgh. He has six games against us and four turnovers in those six games. That's not bad. Uh, he he always seems to be a difference maker in those games. So he could he could have a big part to play. Uh, but I, I, it's hard. It's hard. That defense is is in pretty bad shape. Now before we flip over the second half here. Uh, just quickly uh, ask about the the rookie receivers on either side. Demetrius, I'll ask you first. At, at this point in the year, if you had to just take one of either uh, Lavisca Chanel or Chase Claypool, who are you going with? Ooh, that's tough, and I'm trying not to be biased here. I really do like what Claypool provides, especially in the red zone. I mean, this guy, I feel as though he, I, I do like Lavisca Chanel. He's a great receiver. He he can provide so much versatility on your offense. But when you have a guy like Claypool who has the speed, the hands, the size, the strength, I just feel like he's more of a guy who can take over a game and absolutely dominate. And maybe that's perhaps because we haven't necessarily seen what exactly Chenault can provide. You know, we, he, he's he's been in there for a bunch of games, but he hasn't necessarily been a guy who's they've they've heavily targeted, especially in the second half of games. And then he got injured. So. If I had to decide right now, I would probably mortgage my future more on Claypool than on Chenault. Jeffrey, I'm posing the same question to you, Claypool or Chanel? I'm taking Claypool. Uh, but he, Chanel reminds me a lot of uh, Juju Smith-Schuster and James Washington. Mm-hmm. I think I think he can become that kind of a player who's going to give you good numbers, who's going to give you good production when they're, when they're you know, James Washington, obviously not when when he's he's kind of getting buried by all the talent on our team, but has shown that that they can be a guy who can be a clutch receiver, they can be a playmaker, uh, but can also do it in other ways. You know, they can they can block for you. Juju Smith Schuster is great on those little you know underneath passes that are, are pretty much just running plays. Uh, they can do that kind of stuff for you. He can be that kind of a player. Uh, Chase Claypool has the upside to be 
a legit, you know, number one, a, a DJ Shark kind of player here, you know, in a couple of years or next year even. So I'm, I'm going to stick with Claypool. All right. Now, before we flip over to the second half of our podcast here, Demetrius, I do want to ask one more question of the Jaguars offense, and that's of Tyler Eifert, uh, someone we're familiar a lot with in the AFC North, someone that's banged up by injuries a lot. Is he still showing the signs of being like a, a solid tight end, or is he kind of just falling off a map here? Um, we, we can uh, flip over to the second half here um, while we uh, figure out our technical difficulties. Um at, at, but just before we flip over, as usual, you are listening to Know Your Enemy from Behind the Steel Curtain. <laughs> 